comes ahead on goal, and Jordan Morris has done it. Appealing in vain for offside, the Chicago Fire defenders. Jordan Morris from the doorstep saves the day for the Sounders. the other way. Look who's running hard after defensively. Wayne Rooney, the net is empty. Big collision by the captain. That is unbelievable effort. Rooney putting one up. Bacosta. The Stateside Soccer Show with Logan and Jordan. Hello and welcome to the Stateside Soccer Show. My name is Jordan Wiegand and with me today, suiting up against Canada on Sunday, is Logan Stump. I had no idea. <laughs> I'm not very fit, so I don't know how many minutes Yeah, we're just, uh, we're just calling you up. Yeah. I don't think it's going to go very well for me. <laughs> Where do you want to slot in at? Are you in the uh, starting 11 that you sent me here? Yeah. Yep. I'm on the, (laughs) if you look really close enough, I'm like in behind Eric Williamson, the name you can't read because it's, there's two people. (laughs) If we had a 12th player, we could put you in. I guess. Yeah, I guess. What you're saying. Yep. Uh, But yeah, how's it going, Logan? Uh, You know, still trying to move into a house. So that's always interesting. Um, But no, I've been able to. having difficulty moving in. Uh, yeah, I, I, I've had some issues. Like yesterday, I had to fix the garage door openers because they wouldn't work. So that's <laughs> fun. It's like got deprogrammed. I didn't know that garage door um, things were so sensitive. They're like, oh, no, I'm going to deprogram myself. So I had to figure out how to do that. Um, you know, just random stuff. You 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 got to experience this before. It's just kind of random things. You're like, yeah. oh, man, now I got to fix that or this or that. I had to unclog drains. I had to learn how to do that. Um, so, yeah, it's all been a... So handyman stump. Yeah, just keep paying me, and then I'll keep fixing things. That I was like, if they don't work, they they're definitely more broken. So you can get a uh, you can get a new dishwasher, whatever it is that you need. I'm still scared of your story because every time I think of the dishwasher running, I'm like, yeah. oh my God, I'm having like night overflow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's been a nightmare. We had some problems with all of our washers: our dishwasher, our regular washer. Uh, but yeah, it's all good now. Yeah. So anyway, we're going to talk some, uh, this is mainly going to be U.S. Uh, men's national team versus Martinique. And uh, then we're going to look ahead to the game against Canada on Sunday. And we're also going to just quickly preview the MLS games that are starting tonight. We're recording on Saturday uh, afternoon here. So hopefully I can get this episode up. Uh, before the uh, before the games actually kick off, but if not, uh, you will have our thoughts from before they did. <laughs> but yeah, then we're gonna probably get back together on like Tuesday and do our usual breakdown of those games and also talk the Canada U.S. game. 
and look ahead to what's next after that. So let's go ahead and get started with just some quick hits, some quick stories that happened. Uh, as you might hear my dog, he is agreeing with uh, this news. He's really loving this. Tanner Tessman and Busio moving to Venezia, uh, Venice, Italy. Got a nice little graphic for it here on the on the video here. So there you go. We got uh, two stud players uh, moving to Venice. Uh, and if you look at this picture that I have on here, their stadium is like kind of like uh, uh, like uh, what's it called? Uh, Subaru Park. I keep wanting to say Talon Energy Stadium. <laughs> uh, it's like Subaru Park right on the water there, but you know, in Venice and not Chester, PA. Uh, but what what are your thoughts on uh, on these moves for these uh, these two two up and coming U.S. players? Well, I know you and I talked about it a lot uh, to preview this season when we did the FC Dallas preview. I thought that was one of our better previews, just because we talked. There's a lot to get into with Dallas. I mean, you've got a team that we thought was borderline playoffs. I think you and I had them right on the cusp or right on the edge of the playoffs getting in um, or not getting in. And I think that, you know, you, we we texted right after – I mean, it was right after the show, I think. We, there had been rumors that they were moving, and then Tanner's uh, news broke first, and then Busio's broke after. Um, and you just – you know, you, get, you feel upset for some of these Dallas fans especially, not so much SKC because I think SKC's got enough valuable pieces to kind of build around – um, and they'll use that money to go out and buy somebody probably. But um, I, I think with Dallas, you look at a team that, you know, they bring in some some young guns. Uh, right now they have Ricardo Pepe, who I don't think will spend much time there. I think they'd probably look to flip him as well. Um, you've got guys um, on, you know, you've got the, the whole slot of, of people that they've moved on from um, in that right back position and, and sent them over into Italy too. So it's, you know, it's hard to become a Dallas fan, I think. I think it's hard to get behind a team that's constantly looking to flip players like their, you know, houses and projects. It's like they go in, renovate, and then send them on their merry way. And it's just, I think it's a it's a concept that um, the U.S. teams are trying to grab onto, trying to sell some of this young talent, but at least they hold on to them for a year or two. Hell, Dallas is selling people before they even step on the pitch for the first team. So um, I love the moves for the guys because they're. I think Tanner Tessman's going to end up being a really good player. Um, and he'll vie for time against Tyler Adams, I think, eventually, as he gets a little older. Um, and then I think Busio, is, uh, that, that move is huge, too, I think, because I think he's got the talent. He just needs help garnering, and I don't know if he was necessarily getting that as SKC. I think he was very much a one-person you know, one person show, and I think he wanted to prove that he was that good, and I think that helps him, too. But um, good for both of them and good for the United States because, man, it just seems like our talent's getting more immense, and I think that – I mean, Italy, um, I saw Jesse March's lineup today, Tyler Adams playing for him. And, uh, you know, it's it's our U.S. guys playing in Europe and getting starts. Um, so that's exciting for all of them, really. Yeah, it should be, uh, should be a good test for these players. And, you know, Greg Berhalter kind of talked about this uh, by saying, you know, the U.S. is now like a known commodity. You know, when you have players like Pulisic and McKenney, Tyler Adams go over there and play well, then they start looking at this league, and I say, maybe we can grab some more from there, and they start looking. Now, for Tessman, I will say I'll give Dallas just a little bit of leeway on this one because I feel like the only reason he signed with Dallas was to go overseas, and probably part of the reason why he chose that instead of playing for for, for Clemson and playing uh, you know, football um, was probably due to that. But I still think that there – 
you know, on this road of, I, I think the union shared something about how they had a really good academy and, you know, Dallas social media account went after them, you know, jokingly, I guess, but saying that, you know, they're still number one, but, uh, you know, at least the union had a supporter shield to lift up with that, uh, you know, selling Aronson and McKenney and, you know, Dallas last won a supporter shield when who was manager Oscar Perea. And uh, since then they have not done much. They've been spending money on players that have not performed, you know, DPs that have not performed. And at this rate uh, it's not going super well for them. And I don't know what the fix is. Uh, I mean, they clearly want to be known for this Academy and they're going to keep doing that. But uh at some point, I think you got to be able to hold on to some of these. You know, if Pepe if Pepe leaves, then you have uh, really who are you going to watch at the stadium? Mm-hmm. Uh, like somebody said, it's always better to go and watch a winning team than saying, "Oh, I watched that player before they left." You know, I saw some people saying that, or I watched that one player who became great before they were great, and that's kind of their issue right now. Is that they're just kind of shipping them overseas. Uh, almost as soon as possible. Um, let's go ahead and talk about another story here. Big one. I don't have a graphic for this, but Atlanta United and mm-hmm. Joseph Martinez falling out. Uh, according to a story from The Athletic, Joseph is as repeat, uh, reportedly told the front office that he wants to leave at the end of the season. He's had an altercation with Heinze. He's been training on his own almost since he came back from Copa America for the last week or so. He's been training by himself. And uh, now let's just say, I'm not going to just immediately take Joseph's side on this because apparently he has had altercations with Frank DeBoer and with even the great Tata Martino. Uh, so is it a, is it something... There is it just something that, and, and each coach has dealt with it differently. You know, I think Tata kind of let him have a longer leash because of the fact that he was scoring lots of goals. Maybe Heinze is one of those that is a, well, there's no greater player than the team. So I'm going to, uh, you know, banish you for a week and you'll have to come back. But I can understand why Atlanta fans are upset about this. Heinze has come in. He hasn't been great. And uh, it seems to be that he's almost forcing this player out. Uh, So what side does the front office take? How long does Heinze last? You know, we said before, I think it was just last week, we were talking that uh, we just kind of talked about this last week, that maybe his hot seat would be maybe more like mid-season next year if they're not improving. But with this, with the fan pressure, the fans are wanting to chant his name, uh, Joseph's name, in the 7th and 17th minute. They're wanting to all wear their merch of him today. We'll see how far that actually goes today. But, uh, you know, the front office hasn't won a lot of hearts in Atlanta either after the storyline from, what, a few weeks ago that Mm -hmm. we talked about with the uh, issues with uh, Bocanegra. And Darren Eels and and who is really in charge there and how they got into it with Tata, what forced Tata to leave pretty much. So, Logan, what is your thoughts on all this? How does it, you know, how long does he last now, Heinze? Does Joseph actually leave? Because I, I feel like if he leaves, 
the Atlanta fan base will really be uh, PO'd, and uh, it's going to take a lot to earn their trust back. I was going to say, it's a team that's really struggling as it is. They're in 10th place, uh, and I don't know if they really get any points today playing against New England, who's played really well. So they're playing against the first-place team in East, and it, it was a position that Atlanta knew very well when Joseph was playing extremely well. And they have well. a lot of people out, too. By yeah. I just want to say that. They have a lot of people yeah. at Gold Cup. and Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. So, uh, you know, this whole thing just seems to be a headache. Um, I know that there was reports that Joseph said, well, this was my doing, and Atlanta was more like, you know, Heinz was like, no, this is more of like, I don't want him around. So it's it's a, it's a really weird mixed bag of feelings, I think, as Atlanta fans, because here's a fan base that really thinks that they can be something when they do have Joseph Martinez. But again, if you look at his if you look at his numbers this year, he's got 13 matches that he's played in, seven that he started in. Um, some of that might be because he's not quite fit yet, and he's got you know he's he had to handle different competitions um, as he had to leave. But you know, I, I think that part of the problem is the fact that Heinz is new. Um, he's trying to implement a system that um, I don't think Joseph necessarily thinks he works with, um, which is a little weird because I think that it's a little bit more attack minded than for Frank DeBoer had. Um, but again, I, I think it's just been a culmination of things that like they didn't like he didn't like last year, he didn't like this year, just the way that things were run. He doesn't like the way that the front office has handled things. Uh, I don't believe. And then you know I think there's that aspect of Joseph thinks that he is one of the top strikers, which when healthy he is, but when he's not performing, you know, two goals and seven um, games started, thirteen matches played. I think that that starts to kind of get on somebody that's been so prolific in scoring. Um, you know, he's starting to get back into fitness and maybe he's starting to feel that he is fit, that he's not playing enough, that maybe he's not getting the minutes, maybe he's not confident. Uh, it, it could be a number of things, but I do think that this, it's a train wreck for Atlanta. I think that you're looking at players that are younger that are more than likely going to be on the move. I don't think Santiago Sosa last, but just this year, I think teams will come hunting for him next year. Um, maybe even this summer, if this thing really starts to blow up in people's faces, just because of how much talent George Bellow has been constantly rumored. Miles Robinson mm-hmm. playing well. I mean, that, that's a lot of players that I think teams look at and go, man, this is this is a team that really we can start picking and plucking pieces off of this team. Um, Barco, who, you know, I think another team would like to have him. He hasn't performed necessarily as well. But this team, it, it, they're down in a very dangerous spot. They start losing a couple games here. Um, by the end of the summer transfer window, you could really see some pieces starting to move around. Um, and if Joseph leaves – this fan base will just implode because it, they're very volatile. They're very passionate about their team. And and it's a team that they thought, you know, could be a dynasty, but it, it hasn't been the same since Joseph had that really nice stretch there when they won the title. So yeah, it's, it's concerning. Yeah. Just where do you go from here? Uh, I mean, you, you don't want to look, a lot of the fans are taking Joseph's side because, you know, he's their star player. He's been there since the inception compared to Heinze, who just came in this season and has not performed well and probably not utilizing Joseph well enough as it is. So I can see why they're taking his side. And I, I would end up probably taking Joseph's side as well. I'm not one of those that, like, you let your star player do whatever they want, but mm-hmm. sometimes you got to let your star player do whatever they whatever they want. <laughs> <laughs> but I agree. I totally agree. That's a good way to put it. And I, I think that, too, like him coming in, um, I, I think it really has hurt. I mean, Heinz is trying to come in and implement a system that he thinks works. And Joseph, and it happens with new coaches all the time in other sports. You see where it just doesn't work anymore. And teams are like, well, uh, you got to get their personnel. And I don't think Heinz is on a hot seat this year. 
I give him another year. If he's not performing well next year, which is going to be really hard if he doesn't have Joseph, that's going to be difficult. Yeah, uh, you know, one thing you can say about Heinze's, uh, you know, system, it really tends to lean towards 2-2 draws. <laughs> as long as it gets Nashville. <laughs> Nashville, the Union, and, uh, yeah. Everybody in the league. Get those 2-2 right. two, two draws. Um, it's tactical. Uh, just uh, one last thing here. You know, we, we didn't really talk about this. It was a lot during our break uh, for – the international break and stuff like that. But the union have in the last few weeks extended Jim Curtin, Tanner Ernst, uh, the general manager, football operations, whatever you want to call that here. And Andre Blake just this week here, uh, keeping the core of their winning team while they move on some of those youth players. Uh, This is, I don't want to say the spine of the team, because that's usually, you know, like the goalkeeper on down to, Mm, you know, the striker. But this is like, the spine in the sense of Blake is almost the face of the franchise, right? You have Curtin, who's been manager for the last few years, and Ernst Tanner, who has uh, really uh, done well. Uh, yeah, Ernst Tanner. Why did I say Tanner Ernst earlier? I wrote it backwards. Uh, Ernst Tanner, uh, you know, in the general manager position, who took over for Ernie Stewart, has been doing a really good job there, really turned this team finding players like Kai Wagner and, uh, you know, Shabilko and stuff. So it's kind of like a a different type of spine, you know, but uh, still kind of like a core of the team here. I remember, you know, 2011, we made the playoffs and I went to that game against Houston. There was two leg. We had a leg here, leg there. We, I think, uh, drew the leg here or we at least had a goal because there was a penalty for us. But then we lost – Uh, at Houston, and that was it. And you're like, okay, second year in, we made the playoffs. It feels pretty good. We have a good core. And then uh, Peter Nowak, uh, who was the manager at the time, had a lot of power, and he just ended up kind of getting into it with these players, I guess. I don't really really know uh, what exactly happened. But he started just trading everybody, like trading Carlos Valdez uh, or transferred him. Uh, trading Sebastian Latou is like the face of the franchise uh, and now does studio work for them. And, you know, all that kind of, he's in the ring of honor um, and uh, just started like trading a whole bunch of players that really worked out for us. And then we did not recover until Jim Curtin came and, uh, you know, started leading us to open cup finals and getting into the playoffs again, stuff like that, winning supporter shield. So, I like this approach of locking them down better than just trading everybody like we did the last time. So I do feel a lot more, uh, a lot better about the stability of the club because I think there's rumors of Tanner moving to a, uh, uh, like people were looking at him overseas or something for a position at a sporting director. So like locking them down, uh, giving the union a chance to really. Uh, continue their path forward. What were your thoughts about these three extensions? So again, this is a team that um, I think is starting to build one of those uh, franchises that really just uh, have success. And I think that extending these three, especially um, when you go in a core like Andre Blake, who's been so good when you have a Jim Curtin, um, when you have Ernst Tanner, I think that it's, it's a, really good thing for the city because I think that they, they've really struggled in sports as of late. Um, 
when you look at a union team that uh, and especially when the game's trying to grow over here, I think it's really it's really nice to have a successful soccer team. Um, and I think that Philly's doing it right. I think everything that they do seems like they have great communication uh, amongst the front office, which their manager and I know Curtin's been thrown out there as somebody that that Europe uh, is looking at, and I think that that'll that'll definitely continue. I think that even the U.S. team, as as time goes on, I think that there's still going to be interest from the U.S. side going, hey, you know, if if this doesn't work out with Greg. Or, you know, he's done after this World Cup, then maybe we look at Jim Curtin. I think his name is always going to be thrown out there with all these teams and possibilities, kind of like the Jesse Marsh thing. Um, so, you know, I think it's really important that, that Philly extend these three. Um, and they've got such a great team in and around them. That core is just so strong. Um, and you've seen with additions like Flock this year, um, it's just a good move. And, and people that, you know, I know European teams were looking over here going, wow, he, that, that really worked out. So maybe eventually we go after Leon. And it's, again, it, it seems like this front office knows exactly what it's doing. It's got a game plan in place, just like I think that, you know, New England has, that Orlando has, that a Seattle has. I, I think that these front offices are so sound that they communicate so well that they know exactly what their players want, what their fans want, and that's why they're so successful. All right, now let's uh, let's start moving in to the. You want to go U.S. or should we preview the MLS games and then go USA? How, how do you want to? Let's do MLS. Oh, I did see one thing that just broke on Twitter. Shaq oh, yeah. Moore. Shaq Moore is uh, supposedly being thrown in. Um, there's rumors of him going into Europe with uh, La Liga side Real Betis. That was um, recently just dropped. That people are looking at him to fill in a, a right back spot. So. That's pretty exciting for him because he's played pretty well. Yeah, I mean, I think he plays for uh, a La Liga two team. Yeah, I think so. Right now as well. Um, so, is this did Betis get moved down as well? You're saying so? No, it looks like it, it's. They look like they're still up. It says La Liga. Okay. Okay. Yeah, so that would be that would be a good move for him if, if they're still up there, uh, for sure. It's pretty interesting. There's a lot of stuff going on in soccer Twitter right now, man. It's all the European teams are back. All the European yeah. teams are starting to pluck off um, some of the Americans because the Americans are coming out of their break. So it's pretty exciting times. But yeah, we can do the MLS because that's that we can do that and then move on to the the US stuff because I know that's more on the people's mind and yeah. Yeah, yeah, so we'll end with that. Okay, uh, so let's go ahead and look at the games that are coming up today. So 5 o'clock, we already kind of talked about that. That's the Atlanta versus New England game. Now, that is in Atlanta. New England struggles away from home a bit. I mean, I'm not going to oversell that, but they're not as steady on the road as they are at home. But this is an Atlanta team that's missing a lot of players. Uh, that you might not see Joseph play, right? They're probably going to put Kubo Torres up top, who hasn't done anything of note, really. And that is going to lead to probably a New England win. <laughs> I would, <laughs> I think. That, now, of course, New England's missing, uh, you know, uh, Matt Turner. They're missing uh, uh, Tejan Buchanan, who's playing for Canada. So they are missing some players, but I still think that this is a uh, a good chance for New England to get some uh, get some win, a win at away from home. Like I said, mm-hmm. they're two, two, and three. So that's two wins, two losses, and three draws on the road. We know how much Atlanta loves draws, so maybe it's going to be a draw. <laughs> two, two. Uh, yeah. 
Maybe it's going to be a draw. They have seven draws this season. Yeah. Uh, Atlanta. So. Then we have uh, that's on ESPN. That's so that's a nationally televised game. Seven o'clock is the New York Red Bulls versus uh, Miami. Inner Miami, CF, and that is at Red Bull Arena. At seven o'clock on ESPN Plus. I have a quick out. question about yeah. that, that. To you, uh, how how hot is Phil Neville's seat? Uh, not hot. No, not hot. Uh, maybe a little hotter if he wasn't friends with David Beckham. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> maybe a little hotter. But the the, the thing is, I, I still don't think this roster is constructed all that well. So I don't know how much I put on Phil Neville. The Iguains hardly ever play anymore. So. Yeah, yeah, they've been kind of MIA lately. Mm-hmm. 7.30, we have the Crew versus New York City uh, FC. That is at uh, New Crew Stadium, or as the corporate overlords would like to say, lower.com field. That's on ESPN+. Plus. Uh, then at 7.30 as well, we have Montreal versus uh, Cincinnati. And this game is taking place in Montreal. So congratulations, mm-hmm. Canada teams as they get to go back home and start playing some games. So maybe uh, now does that hurt Montreal or, or get them better? Because, you know, they've been playing pretty good yeah. in Miami. I was going to say, maybe they wanted to stay. Maybe we turn on TV and, and they <laughs> were like, no, we're good. Right. No, we wanted to stay in Miami. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, I don't know, maybe they'll turn the heat up in the in the stadium. I have no idea. Yeah, make it. Yeah, they're like, <laughs> we got so used to 100 degrees down there. Yeah. Got to crank it up. Philadelphia Union versus DC United. That's at Subaru Park. That's at 7:30. Uh, that's on ESPN Plus. Or if you're in the DC area, Washington, NBC Sports Washington, which is what I have to watch it on. I was gonna say, uh, do you get the game? I have to watch. Well, it won't let me watch it on ESPN Plus. I will have mm. to watch it on NBC Sports Washington. Yeah. So not not the best. Uh, case scenario there then we have uh toronto versus orlando at bmo field so orlando get to go across the border for the first time this year and play in canada toronto after a long stretch are finally able to play at home we're starting to see this with all sports too blue jays releasing mm-hmm. video that they're able to play there as well so uh, pretty good for these teams to finally get their chance to play at home. You know, I know this is something that has been a point for us to say, oh, maybe this team's not as bad as, as it is. And you know what? This is probably a really bad time for Orlando to be playing Toronto. They finally get rid of their manager and Chris Armas. Now they have a chance to play at home. I'm not sure if they're allowing fans, so maybe still an empty stadium. But uh, watch out Orlando. That's what I'm going to say there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I knew Toronto. I think Canada was looking into actually requiring fans to have vaccination cards to get out. Oh, okay. So I think I think there were there was talk about that in August. I don't think it'll happen right away, but I know U.S. citizens are allowed to go to Canada starting in August with proof of vaccination. Oh so wow, that'll be interesting. And then also look for it looks like Pato might actually get to play some uh, tonight. He's questionable and he hadn't been listed on the report. Um, but it sounds like with DK out, he'll get some maybe some forty five minutes or so. That's good. That's good. He's yeah. missed uh, about 12 weeks. Mm-hmm. So longer than that, 12 games. Right. But it's probably been longer than that due to the long break we just had not that long ago. 
8.30, Nashville versus Chicago. That's on ESPN+. Plus. That's in Nashville. Uh, Chicago really been on a good run of form lately. We'll see if they can uh, keep it up. But Nashville is, you know, uh, one of the best teams in the East right now. They're sitting in fifth. Uh, we'll see how that continues for them. Nine o'clock is Colorado Rapids versus San Jose. That's on ESPN+. Plus. Then we have Vancouver versus LA Galaxy at 10 o'clock at Rio Tinto Stadium as Vancouver is still playing here in the States. I'm not sure if that is a local thing for them. And it's, you know, like the East Coast of Canada is having an easier time or if it was just too quick of a turnaround. Not really sure what's going on there. Uh, LAFC versus Real Salt Lake at 1030 on ESPN Plus and at the same time as Portland versus Dallas at Providence Park. So that's today's games. Then tomorrow we have Minnesota United versus Seattle in a rematch of the opening day. Uh, the <laughs> opening day trouncing uh, that yeah that Minnesota got uh, demolished in, and Seattle just keep on rolling. Will they keep their undefeated? I'll ask you. Will, do they keep their undefeated streak rolling tomorrow night? Yeah, I, I think so. Then they're they're going to be the first team to reach thirty uh, points. So yeah, I, I definitely think that. Minnesota's, uh, you know, they're starting to get a little bit better. It is at um, Allianz Field, but it, it, I don't think Seattle really cares at this point, and I do think they stand undefeated. All right, nice. So if they lose their undefeated streak, you can blame Logan Stump. You can tweet him at Stump Logan on Twitter. <laughs> it usually happens like this. I'll say, man, he hasn't scored in a while. So, yeah, Seattle hasn't lost in a while. So um, there you go. Put the bets on right now, folks. You can put like, a couple grand on um, – Minnesota, because that's probably going to happen. All right. Uh, and also, uh, you know, the Gold Cup has some games tonight. They have Granada versus uh, Qatar. Uh, that is today at 7.30. And then at 9.30 is Panama versus Honduras. Uh, then we have uh, Martinique versus Haiti at 5 o'clock tomorrow. Uh, also at 5 o'clock tomorrow is the U.S. versus Canada. That's on Big Fox. And we're about to segue to that game, but also Guatemala and Trinidad and Tobago at 10 and Mexico, El Salvador at 10 o'clock. All right. Uh, so let's, let's segue over to the U S gold cup game here. It was against Martinique. It was a six, one uh, score line for the USA. Exactly what you want against Martinique. Now, again, let's go ahead and just get this out of the way. Martinique is not a FIFA nation, so all their players could play for France. Uh, but so they're not ranked FIFA wise, so we don't really know how they are, but they are part of CONCACAF and they are ranked 11th, I think it is. So they're above Trinidad and Tobago on that. Uh, but, you know, when you look at the score lines of the last times we beat Martinique that they flashed on the board, it was usually only like a 2 nothing, 2 1, 3 2 score line. So 6-1 against them feels pretty good, when, especially when it's our B squad. What do you think about uh, – let's not go too in-depth with the goals yet, but what do you just think about the scoreline? Yeah, it's, it's what they needed. I know they got even with goal differential with Canada. Um, but, it, you know, depending on what happens tonight, it didn't really matter, or tomorrow night, it doesn't really matter what goes on. They need to beat Canada anyway. But, um, yeah, I think that it's a team that um, – I mean, in Martinique, yeah, they're they're fielding a squad that they would put out there if they were trying to qualify for World Cup or something. 
Um, so it's their best, probably one of their best teams uh, to, to play against the U.S. And like you said, it, there hadn't been a real uh, big history of us just trouncing them, but this was just an absolute beatdown. Um, the U.S. just controlled the match. So uh, you're starting to see the, that with a lot of the U.S. games. I mean, a lot of these friendlies where the U.S. just looks like they're in control, even if they don't score uh, a ton um, or even, you know, slaughter a team, it, it still looks like the U.S. is starting to get a little bit better to where it's it's teams that we should beat, that we are beating, um, and comfortably. Yeah, I agree. Uh, this is uh, – let's let's go through the goal scores. DK, 14 minutes in, gets a goal. Uh, you can argue if he gets the second one in the 23rd minute. Uh, that was uh, Camille own goal. It didn't look like his uh, shot was going towards goal, so it does – seem to be a correct own goal. The reason why there's confusion is because it was ruled an own goal. Then the official scorer said, no, that's a DK goal. Then after halftime, the official scorer said, actually, that was an own goal. Yeah. So it was kind of confusing. There should be uh, – somebody tweeted at us, there should be a limit of how many times you can change that. And I'll agree to that. I, I do think there should be a limit to how many times you can change that. Or like an appeal system where you can appeal yeah. it after the game. There you go. Do, do they have that in baseball? They should have that in baseball. Yeah, they have it in baseball too, with like really, with errors and stuff. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think you can do it if you really want to. But okay, well, I would. I would do that yeah. every time they mark me as an error or whatever. And yeah. uh, what? I mean, what's it hurt if uh, if they don't overturn it? Right. It's Nothing. the same spot you're in. Yeah. Right now, uh, Miles Robinson, 50 minutes in, gets a goal to make it three nil. Then DK scores a beautiful goal in the four uh, for the fourth uh, goal of the USA in the 59th minute to complete his hat trick, not a hat trick. Then we have uh, a penalty in the 64th minute to Martinique. Acosta comes like right in, gives up a penalty right away and Riviere converts it. Then we have Zardes who comes right in and scores in the 70th minute and uh, Joe Acini scoring in the 90th minute to make it 6-1. Now the reason the goals were important and the penalty is important is because if it had finished 6-0, the USA would have the tiebreaker on goal differential that a draw against Canada would make them top of the group. Now, do you think that actually matters? No, because I think, I mean, in, in the grand scheme of things, you want to go in and beat Canada. So I think that it, I think it's actually better for us to have to go in and you have to win to, to get above them in the group. Um, I think with the, when, when you look at the teams that they have to play, I think Costa Rica and Jamaica both are, are good teams. So I think that, you know, either one, it was just going to be a matter of, you know, who you play. But uh, it, it it makes it more enticing to win against Canada. It gives you more confidence if you beat Canada because you have to beat them to be able to top the group. And I think it helps um, with the U.S. because I think it, you, no matter how it shakes out, that group that they have to play isn't necessarily the stronger uh, group of the of the four. Yeah, I agree. I think that the way that this is working out where, you know, we went into this Gold Cup thinking this is not a Gold Cup we're going to win. Mm -hmm. This is one we're evaluating talent and all that kind of stuff for. So I'm, I'm fine if we don't win it. And I'm fine if we're in this space where it's do or die. You have to win to qualify. This is almost the same spot we were in against Trinidad and Tobago in 20, mm -hmm. uh, 2017 and we didn't qualify. So having these young players need to win to uh, qualify for the or to win the group is is big now the 
the downside is the Gold Cup can end a lot sooner if you finish second because you're going to be on the same side as Mexico. Yeah. And uh, obviously you want to be uh, seeing them in the final. But if not, guess what? If you beat them, if you have to come across them and you beat them before the final, mm -hmm. that's a disaster for Mexico. And two, then it, it instills you even more confidence and you probably have a better path to winning the cup if this team can win it. So I, I'm totally cool with not getting that gold differential lead. Uh, now, if it was our normal A squad and we're trying to win the tournament or whatever, then yeah, you're, you're like, man, we got to go all out for it. But uh, for this one where we're just evaluating, let's see how they feel with the pressure of you got to win the win top of the group. I mean, if you want the U.S. to finish second so you can get to bed a little bit earlier, because I know those late games are brutal. Um, <laughs> I mean, if we come runner up, we're playing at seven o'clock on a Sunday night, which it might be better for, for a lot of people. So maybe you're rooting against the U.S. there um, and you're glad that the penalty was given. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, you know, that's a bright side, right? <laughs> yeah. bright side of how it is. Uh, but just want to go over some stats here, too. 64% possession for the U.S. A, uh, 22 shots to Martinique's 13 and 12 shots on target to Martinique's 5. So all around dominant performance for them. Just what, what stood out to you uh, watching the game here? Daryl DK. Um and I think biased much. Yeah, biased much. No, um, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, no, but I, I think that there, there was a lot of rumbling on Twitter. Um, you know what? He needs games to prove that he is the number one, uh, number nine in the, in the team. And I think that this is one of those games that he just looked. And and I see it all the time with Orlando. And and I try to remove the rose color glasses just because I want to see him for who he is. Um, and I know he won't be here much longer, so it's exciting to watch. Um, cause he almost feels like a rental. He feels like a really cheap rental at this point. Um, and I, and I know that he's grown up with us, but it, it shows just how dominant he is and how big he is. That's what I told you. I texted you when you watch him, it's not like he, you know, he needs a jockey. Like he absolutely just moves people out of the way. Um, and I think that that's really big just because he's so hard to defend. He's so hard to create, um, the defensive plays against because he's just so big and he's so quick. Um, he looks like a horse when he runs. So it, it you know, there's a couple of times where he's running downhill and, and you can see those Martinique defenders going, holy crap. And I think that the, the one goal that he chips over, I think it was his first one um, that he chips over was his second. Um, it was, it was brilliant. I mean, it was one of those touches that, you know, he, he's one of those ones that has those really high uh, miss marks where he's expected to miss um, his expected goals. Don't quite match up with the number of goals he provides because yeah. of how hard he kicks the belt, the ball. Um, I about said the baseball. Um, how hard he kicks the baseball. Um, but that's impressive. Yeah, it that is. That hurt my toe. <laughs> <laughs> no, how hard he kicks the ball at the goal. Sometimes it's just it's amazing. But I think now he's become more clinical. I think he's become mm -hmm. more finesse, and I think that that's really scary because not only can he knock you out from uh, outside the eighteen, but now he can he can put balls in over a chip or you know the little touch that he does. Um, so I just think he's becoming an overall better player. Um, but right up against it, I think Miles Robinson was another person that I was really impressed with just about how physical he is and how much he's really grown. Um, because again, I, I think there's a right center or a center back position that I think a lot of these guys are up for grabs for because Aaron Long's hurt. Um, so I think there's quite a bit of, uh, people that think that Aaron, that Miles Robinson could start flying up the depth chart 
um, to catch up to like a Walker Zimmerman or maybe a, um, a Mark McKenzie or somebody like that. I really liked uh, Matthew Hoppy. Yeah. Uh, I thought he played really well. I mean, there were some times where he had some, yeah, uh, you know, uh, moments of losing the ball or whatever, but for his debut, this mm-hmm. was a really good debut. And yes, as we already said at the top of the show, it's Martinique, but, uh, and as Greg said, he's not going to put a whole bunch of, uh, like he's not going to let this game change his mind on everything. Mm-hmm. But I thought he, you know, he looked a lot more dangerous than Jonathan Lewis. I think if we're going to go up against Canada, we're going to look at that later. I think Copy should start that game. See what he see what he can do against better competition because we already know what Jonathan Lewis can do. So give Hoppy a chance to play against a better team and see where that goes. Um, you know, like you said, I I enjoyed what uh, Robinson brought, but I also really liked what James Sands brought. So mm-hmm. having the back three at least gives us Sands, Zimmerman, and Robinson, and I think that. Um, if we're looking ahead to, to the next game, that's kind of what I would want to see in the back, uh, you know, to, to get Sands on there. Sands is so versatile, too. I think he could literally play any position on the pitch. Um, that, that's just how good he is. He can play that center back spot. He sucks up into a center defensive mid, which is huge with Tyler Adams' injury history, um, just because it gives you another option. I think he supplants Jackson Ewell um, just because of how good he is, Eric Williamson, but we'll get into that stuff. But, I, again – I'm just so impressed with, and I hate U.S. Twitter. Like, I, I can't stand it. I'm like, be happy for everybody. Like, yes, Matthew Hoppy understands that Kristen Pulisic and Gio Reyna and all these guys, Mark uh, or um, and Weston McKinney and DK and all of them and Josh Sargent, yes, they're all ahead of him in positions that he could play, but that's not how he looks at it. Hoppy looks at it like, eventually I might get my shot. You know, this is depth. And I think Burhalter looks at it the exact same way. He goes, it's so nice because, uh, you know, if you look back at the at the World Cup where Josie got hurt, there wasn't really anything that could replace him. Mm-hmm. And you get Wondolowski who, you know, it, he is great, but in his own mind, he it, it's not the same as Josie was in that tournament. So Two different be, roles. Yeah. Two different roles for them, yeah. So uh, just look at, look at all these players and just be happy with how much depth we have. Like Aaron Long goes down. Well, now you got Mark McKenzie. You've got... Uh, Walker Zimmerman, you've got these guys that are just really good, you know, footballers. And I, I think that that's a big thing. But so many times I'm like, I see on here like, oh, how dare Miles Robinson not be ranked in the top five? Well, yeah, he hasn't played enough matches to prove like Mark McKenzie right now and the way he's playing and the way he had played with Union is better than Miles Robinson. But it's good to have those options because what if Miles Robinson starts playing really well and Mark McKenzie doesn't play well because you've got a whole year between now and the World Cup. So it, it, it's Again, I, I don't like U.S. Twitter, and I know you've been on it longer because this is your favorite team to watch. But man, it's brutal. It, it's horrible. It is. It is. Uh, I mean, I look, especially when we get to people trying to rank people. Yes. It, it's all a lot of just uh, people disagreeing with each mm-hmm. other, and well, this person plays here, so they have to yeah, be ranked homers. higher. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, it's for me. It's why ranking players shouldn't really matter because what 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 really is going down here is we don't need to rank them. No, right? Greg's going to do that, but uh, what we need to do is just see. Look, like you said, Hoppy probably not cracking the starting eleven if we're going into qualifying, but is he a good option? 
for when one of these players are injured, bringing him in. Uh, this is also going to probably help him get a move to a better club than Shaka, where he's able to play and develop even further. So each of these players taking their shot feels feels good, you know, mm-hmm. um, because hey, guess what? You may you might need more than two center backs because we might play three at the back. So right. you know, having those options of um like everybody not liking Zimmerman a lot uh, uh you know we've said it before but we're we're big we're a Zimmerman stand podcast so mm-hmm. uh I wouldn't mind him next to John Brooks I know people are going to say Chris Richards but you know Chris Richards literally just started mm-hmm. uh, just started um so well, you know I, I would take Zimmerman over Aaron Long as well you know Zimmerman yeah. won MLS defender of the year playing in the same league that Long is in. So yeah. I understand why people usually rank Long above. Uh, but anyway, let's uh, just talk a bit about uh, – so some of the substitutions that came in the game. Joe Genie came in for Hoppy in the 58th minute. Kellen Acosta came in for Shaq Moore in the 58th minute and uh, gave up a penalty a few minutes later. Zardes came in for DK in the 68th minute, and he scored uh, right away. And then we had uh, Donovan Pines come in for Zimmerman in the 79th. Didn't get to see too much from Pines this tournament so far. And Jackson Yule came in for Williamson in the 79th minute. And uh, was largely quiet. I didn't see too much from Jackson Yule in that last 10 minutes of the game here. But looking forward, I'm going to share our starting 11. So here's mine against Canada. This is how I would go. This is not what we think Greg is going to do. I'm going to talk about what I think Greg is going to do while I'm sharing mine, but this is, this is mine. So this is the starting 11 against Canada. I have it as a three, five, uh, a three, five, two, even though it kind of was more of a three, five, four. Is that right? Yeah, it was a, it was a three, four. It was a three, four, three. Yeah. That's what it was. Okay. So let's just look at this. If you're not watching, I'm going to explain it to you here. I have uh, I have Matt Turner at the back. Goalie. I have the same back three that we just had. Miles Robinson, James Sands, Zimmerman uh, in the back there. Then I have Sam Vines on the left instead of Bellow. And I have Shaq Moore on the right. I don't think uh Reggie Cannon's still going to be good to go I would think and I'd like to see Shaq Moore against a better opponent and see how he does. You can save Reggie Cannon for the stages or you know I wouldn't actually just mind Shaq Moore continue playing the rest of mm-hmm. the tournament honestly. Uh Sam Vines I just think he was a he fit better in this team than Bello did. Bello didn't do super much going forward like Vines can. Um Again, they have to defend as well, but that's part of why you have the back three. Then you have, I have Eric Williamson and Buzio still in their same spots in the midfield. And then instead of Rodon, I have Legit. And then I have Hoppy and DK up top. Where I think Greg is going to go with this, and I know Twitter is going to freak out, I think Yule will come in for Williamson. I think Yule was just rotated out for this game. Um, I think Williamson at times uh, still didn't give Greg exactly what he wanted. So I do think that there's going to be a change there. We'll see, though. Uh, maybe Greg has learned a bit from 
you know, the, the first game with Yule in his last three games. But I, I am fully expecting Yule to be back in this lineup. Uh, then I would think, I do think Buzio is going to be in there. I think Shaq Moore is going to be in there. Um, I think Vines will be in there. And I think you might have the same back three. Uh, but I, I fully expect Legette to come in as well. And maybe, I, I hope it's Hoppy, but I could see him putting Jonathan Lewis or Roldan along with DK or Zardes. I'm not sure who he'll start there. Um, now let's take a look at yours. I'm going to say it's not much different from yours. Um, I like the five. Like I, I like the wing backs because um, I do think Vines and Moore uh, – I think they play those attack position, wing back positions better um, than just your traditional four in the back. But I don't, you know, Greg, and, and I'll get in a little bit more of Greg, but I, I think Greg um, likes the the normal system that he uses at four three three. Like, I think that that's just something that he's comfortable with and he's always done. Um, he does this, I think, when he's trying to experiment with more players, like he's trying to experiment with more attacking players. Um, because I think he's got in his mind who his defenders are at times where I think that, you know, this is more of like, who can I put in that, that would add some attacking pieces? And this is one of those lines that he usually goes to if he's, if they're not playing as well and they need more attacking presence. But, um, I, you know, I think it's Vines, uh, Robinson, Sands, Zimmerman, and Moore back there uh, with Vines and Moore being those wing backs. Williamson and Roldan is who I would want to put up, uh, like in those midfield positions. Um, because I don't, you know, out of the bunch, I, I don't think there's like a, a true defensive mid but i think playing williamson and rolled on kind of in like a double pivot maybe able to go forward more too is is something that uh, i would do just because i think williamson and rolled on both have uh, you know they're tenacious and i think they get after the ball no matter which side it is um busio i like him more i like him further up just because of how creative he could be um i, I think he links up better with hoppy and tk who had one up the, at the top just because of how well they both played in this last match what I think Greg will do, I think he goes back to a back four. I think that, you know, there's a good possibility that he goes Bynes, Robinson, um, Zimmerman, and then I think on the right, he either goes Shaq Moore, and I don't know if Reggie Cannon will be healthy enough. Um, I, I think that, you know, in the midfield, like you said, Jordan, unfortunately, I do think, and, and nothing against Jackson, but I do think he switches back to Ewell in that defensive mid uh, role to kind of help out in that spot. To be honest with you, I, like it would be great. Like my Greg one, if I if he had to make one substitution, I, I would love to see Sands kind of in that center defensive mid role instead of um, instead of Jackson Yule, just because I think Sands is his play better. He's more confident. I think that he's well on his way to earning a spot back. You know, playing over in Europe, but I, I think that Yule is much further away from that. Um, but then I think Greg goes. Uh, I think he'll play Buzio just because how well Buzio's played and how much Twitter has just blown up over Buzio. Not that Greg's on there reading like Adrian. <laughs> um, but no, I think it'll be Yule and then the two attacking midfielders. I think it'll be Legette and Buzio just because he loves Legette and he's big time games. Um, and I do too. Like I, the reason why I left Legette out was just because I wanted to see Christian Roldan play because I also think he's a big time player too. Um, that that plays well in, in high leverage situations, which I think he's got right now. Um, and then I think that it would be like a Zardes DK kind of thing. Uh, it would be interesting to see those two playing with each other, um, just because it doesn't happen a lot. Um, I think Greg either goes Zardes or Jonathan Lewis up top with DK uh, and kind of plays this double strikers thing, or maybe you know he moves those back out to the wing where he's the four four three, where it's you know DK in the middle and then Busio and 
um, like a Boozy or a Roldan and Jonathan Lewis. Uh, he seems to really like Jonathan Lewis um, and Kellen Acosta. So we'll see if those two get uh, left off the team sheet. But there's all sorts of options, man. I, that, that's what we talked about was the, just the depth that they can add. Um, and heck, I don't know. Maybe DK doesn't even start. Who knows? Um, it seems to be something Greg likes to do too. Yeah, I think you might go with Zardes yeah. uh, against Canada. Yeah. Uh, even though I'd love to see DK against a quality opponent like Canada, mm-hmm. um, just to see how he can do. Yeah. But DK's on him. He's got to be on a minute restriction because uh, mm-hmm. Orlando also seems to have him on a on a very tight leash because he did. He got dinged up a little bit. Uh, I forget exactly who it was, but he got hurt. It was the game, I think, before the break. Or it was during yeah, the Yeah, I think he said. I think Greg has said that he is on a minute restriction. Yeah. So. But yeah, no, I mean, there's just so many options, and we all want to see DK start. But I think that time's coming in the fall. I don't think we'll see as much of it this summer, just because of how much he's played. Um, I think you're going to see it more towards October, November, when they're qualifying for World Cup, or you know, in some of these more heavy hitting games, uh, gold cup, like you said, Jordan, I, I think winning the last, uh, the last trophy, I think that, it, you know, going into this one, it was more about just experimental pieces and seeing what they can do with some of these mm. players. Yeah. Uh, so that is our preview there. Let's just quickly look ahead at, uh, the, rest of the gold cup real quick just want to kind of take a quick look at the rest of the gold cup where you talked about what games are coming on today uh but loading oh i'm trying to load this gold cup thing and fat mob is saying internal server error something went wrong i was gonna say looking at the groups group d is the only one that has any kind of real competition um, because even if Trinidad and Trinidad and Tobago win today, or they play today, uh, tomorrow. tomorrow, even if they beat Guatemala, they would need Mexico to lose, uh, and they would have to score, I think, five. <laughs> Trinidad would against Guatemala. Uh, they'd have to score at least, uh, or beat them by five. Sorry, not score five. So where are the sta- where are the standings at? Are you on? I'm looking at I'm looking at Google. I always look at Google for oh, okay. because FOTMob, like for some reason FOTMob, there's times where it works beautifully, and then there's times where I'm like, that's not right. Like that that they always get MLS stuff wrong, and they always get US stuff wrong. I'm like, that's not right. Like the other day, it had I forget what it was. I think it was I want to say it was when they were um, what the heck was the cup called? The last one that you just won. Nations uh, League. Thank you, Nations League. I think they had like the U.S. like in third at one point, and I was like, they're not in third. Like, I don't. Why is Fat Mob? So yeah, Fat Mob's not as accurate. I don't think is. Um. Yeah. So so here you go. Google has. Uh. Okay. Group A is El Salvador and Mexico, Trinidad Tobago, and Guatemala, and right now El Salvador sits with six points. Mexico sits with four, and. Trinidad, Tobago sit with one. Guatemala have zero. So Guatemala's ruled out, right? But Trinidad and Tobago, if they win against Mexico, they'd have to win by some goal differential, mm-hmm. some pretty, maybe three. They'd have to win, yeah, like three nothing, it looks like, uh, in order to, yeah, they're not doing that against Mexico. Sorry. <laughs> uh, so it's El Salvador and Mexico probably moving on there. Uh, but 
what is big is if Mexico doesn't win and El Salvador doesn't, uh, if if El Salvador wins and they play Guatemala, right? Mm-hmm. Do I have that right, or is, did they Trinidad? Trinidad and Tobago played Guatemala. Yeah, they already played. They already played. Yeah. All right, never mind. Where are the matches? Here we go. So Mexico plays El Salvador. Here we go. So if El Salvador uh, can just beat Mexico, Trinidad can beat Guatemala 3-0. Mexico loses. Mexico can finish second, okay? Mm -hmm. So even if USA finished first, uh, they could still end up on the opposite sides of the bracket, I think. Or so winner, up on the so winner of Group D plays the runner-up of Group A. Winner of Group A plays the runner-up of Group D. So the U.S. and Mexico won't ever end up on the same side because the the winner if they, don't, if they don't finish in the if they don't finish yeah. So like if the winner so the winner of Group C plays the runner-up of Group B and then the winner of Group B plays the runner-up of Group C and then the winner of match 25 plays the winner of 28 so that would be like the so basically the US needs to finish what are they group C right uh, oh, no, group B. B. Yeah. yeah so basically it's the next round that matters it's not this round that it like it'll affect cuz they won't play mexico now but if they, they won't play them now but i mean right, it, but they, they might could. end up on yes. a side where they play them before the final right, right. So. Anyway, uh, so then let's look at B. Canada, USA, we already know that Haiti and Martinique are out, but they have to uh, – Canada just needs a draw to finish top. USA need a win. We just kind of talked about that and what that means for this team. Uh, group C is Costa Rica, Jamaica, Guadalupe, and Suriname. And Costa Rica and Jamaica are already moving on. There, they have six points each, and it's going to come down to which one of them uh, do they play each other? Yes, they do. Uh, which one of them wins the game? Uh, unless if they draw, but Costa Rica, Jamaica, that's going to be a good matchup. Mm-hmm. That is a great matchup. What day is that? That Tuesday. is Tuesday. And the group stage is going all the way to Tuesday. I know that's what I was thinking. I was like, why in the world are they? Why are we taking Tuesday? off Monday? Why are we taking off Monday? Travel, maybe? No, that doesn't make They're sense. They're all at the same one that they were at, I think. But Oh, you know what? Because to start the next games, the U.S. and stuff, they'll have to travel. So, like, they probably push that back just so it fits in the schedule to where if they take Monday off, they can push, like, the U.S. games back and all those mm. games back after. So that's why they're leaving that one till so late. Is so that, that that game can be played, and then they'll be the last game to be played. Um, in that bracket, I guess. Well, no, because that that doesn't make sense. Because they play the same night. That doesn't. That is dumb. Why are they waiting till Tuesday? That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, let's take a look at Group D: Honduras, Panama. Honduras has three uh, points. Panama has one. Qatar has one, and Granada has zero. Now, let me tell you, this Qatar match in the first their first game against Panama was wild. Just straight up wild. 3-3. It was nil-nil at half, let's just say that, right? And then, like, the first 10 minutes of the half finished, it was like 2-1, 2-2 at that point. It was crazy. It was a really good game. 
And uh, we'll see what happens there. Honduras, Panama, you would think would move on. Qatar, though, did win, I think, the Asia Cup recently. So mm-hmm. they are starting to uh, play better than they had before, which is good for them because they're trying to build up their team before the World Cup next year where they automatically qualify. But, uh, you know, these teams still have two games left to play because they play today to finish up their second match week. And then they'll play on Tuesday. So we can't really go too in-depth with Group D at this point. All right, any any last things here? Looking forward to the, tomorrow's game. That'll be exciting. Lots of games going on here. Uh, You know, being able to watch MLS like the rest of the day and Mm -hmm. watch the the Gold Cup later tonight and tomorrow and USA right after a Seattle game. Like, that's that's a lot of good stuff going on here. So, Mm -hmm. uh, full on weekend, which we'll cover on Tuesday. So, you won't have to go too long without us. So, that'll probably be actually released on Wednesday morning. But, yeah. Well, everybody, thanks for, you know, hanging out with us. If you want to follow us on Twitter, it's at Stateside Show. Instagram, at Stateside Show. Facebook.com slash Stateside Show. And email us, statesideshow at gmail.com. Uh, the link tree is in the show notes here. It takes you to all of those and can take you to our Spotify or the YouTube, whatever you want to watch us on, listen to us on. And we will catch you all later midweek here to recap the weekend. So enjoy all of these games and have a good one. Tomorrow throwing his body in. It's going to fall for Ibrahimovic. Oh, come on. Come on. Thank you for listening to Stoppage Time Soccer Show. We hope that you continue to listen to our show as we recap the u.s men's national team americans abroad mls usl this is stateside soccer show presented by stop it's time soccer show have a good one